everyone. This is uh, the American Israelite newspaper podcast, Let There Be Light podcast. I am one of your hosts, uh, Netanel Ted Deutsch. I can't I'm remember here. your name. I You're can't heavy. remember. Who am I? Huh? You're what? Where? Who am I? Where? What am today? I doing here? What? Who am I? What am I? I'm stumbling around here, stumbling in the dark. Anyway, uh, Netanel Ted Deutsch, and uh, I'm here with my co-host Julie Babs Bernson Brook from Chicago and Highland Park, Illinois. And every time you announce your name, it it keeps getting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, we like to have like four or five names now, and we're here. We have a special guest with us in studio today. Michael Ganson. Michael, what's your middle name? Yeah, what's your middle name? Blaine. Blaine. And what's your Hebrew name? Let's get the whole Hebrew name out Uh, there. My whole Hebrew name is Melech Baruch, but everybody in Israel laughs at me when I tell them what my Hebrew name is. Why? Because it's Blessed King. How presumptuous (laughs) is that? (laughs) Blessed King. Melech Baruch. My parents had high hopes. What can I say? They had high hopes. When I first moved here, I met your folks, your mom and dad at at Adith, and your mom was the nursery school. Am I correct? At nursery school that she teaches? What was she doing at Adith Israel? She was actually a kindergartner. He was a kindergarten teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, lovely. May their memories be a blessing. And Wonderful so you, you have another announcement to make because you now have an official name. We have a name for the baby. And what's the baby's name? And again, we, we, we're a little sad to say it's, we don't believe it's the Mashiach, but <laughs> you know, we had high hopes. Just a normal, the, normal dude. But the name itself is also very regal. It's Gavriel Eli Zimmerman, and uh, we're going to call him Gavi. So. But now, now Gabriel in Hebrew, now that would translate to Gabriel. It's like the V and the B are interchangeable. Okay, so, so it doesn't he, make a difference. It's the same letter with or with you know you whether or not. So you, he, in Hebrew it would be Gabriel, but in English it would be still Gab- got, Gabriel. Nope, we're Gabriel. still calling him Gabriel. The kids okay, wanted okay. one name, not okay. to do two names. So okay, okay. it's Gabriel Eli. And that is a perfect name for the Mashiach, anyway. Right, right. Yeah, they yeah. Yeah, come blow your horn. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, am, I'm so Eli, horn. Eli is my my brother's son's middle son's name. That's Eli, right? Yeah, Eli. It's yeah. a very it's a, it's 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 not a real popular, but it's a it's a good name. It's a it's beautiful not, name. Yeah, yeah they were good, deciding between the gov- Eli was for sure because he's named after grandparents that began that both sides okay, of grandparents okay. with by. My mother-in-law, Edith, may she rest in peace. And then his grandfather, and his also he has a grandma that begins with an L, so E-L, uh, Eli. Oh, okay. So that works out very nicely. So they knew the middle name for sure, and then they okay. were debating between two beautiful first names. The other one was Asa, which is like healer, oh. and, and it's also Hebrew-English. So, But Gabrielle, and the baby is yeah. definitely a, an angelic and a good baby. They're doing well. So thank you very much for asking. You know, speaking of... Families. Yes. You had mentioned uh, last week about not having a bar mitzvah, and I began to think, you know, right. I think that your goal should be <laughs> to have a bar mitzvah. Okay. And, and I really think that that's something that uh, would be really, ben- you know, something that we would all really enjoy to get here. You get up <laughs> and read and sing and give a half Torah, and then, of course, I would expect to have a nice kiddush afterwards. Right? I don't know about reading, but, uh, you know. Chanting. Uh, chan- oh, boy, that's that's a little too much for me. I don't know. Well, you uh, have, don't, it's when you See, seven- normally, when you actually, when you turn 13, you're automatically. A bar mitzvah. Right, but you just don't have the ceremony. Correct. And you don't go up and read from well, the We're Torah. talking about having an actual bar mitzvah I, ceremony. I might be able to read, like, a sentence or two. Well, well, isn't it when you're 73? Isn't that when yes, you do it again? Yes, your second bar mitzvah. So, wait yeah. a second. 
And you're only 61 now. I'll be 62. So you have 11 years to go through Hebrew school, and I know you've taken Hebrew, (laughs) and we are you consider yourself. Yes, you were in my class. Remember that class? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when we were in that class? Yes. So yeah. Do you remember any of that Hebrew? No. No. (laughs) But I did take it this summer when COVID started. I did take Hebrew from a, a wonderful program out of the JCC out of Chicago, and we had this teacher that was amazing, and I worked really well. But if you don't keep using it. No, you you really have to use it. But well, you that's, have, that's I one have of my goals is to read Hebrew and also to play guitar. So you have uh, 12 years to go I'm to Hebrew working. school. Okay, I'll work on it. I will work on it. And then I expect a really good kid. 10 years. It'll be 10 years from now. Wait, are you years. 63? Ten, I'll be 63 in March. Okay, so it's you have 10 month, years. Month, you have month a decade. Month. You have a decade. And listen, we have right. kalava at all of our ceremonies. You know so what I, I, need I found to get some out? Kalava. What I found out is like my brain is not as as spongy and mossy as it was when I was younger. Yeah, it's, but it's, you're talking conversational Hebrew, yeah. as opposed to reading. Right. Yeah. You get yourself yeah. a teacher, yeah. and you get those. You get the tapes. Now you probably yeah. just have it yeah. on app. Well, no, Levana Kovo. Uh, Stephanie studies with Levana Kovo weekly. Okay. And uh, remember, we had a class yeah, we had with class Levana. She's very too. good, but it's it's. It's my problem is doing the homework. You know, you've got to do the homework, and I'm not a big homework fan. And my problem is I got to find somebody I could speak with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well. All right, well, so we do want. We've got a couple of interviews later today. We've got uh, Dan Hoffheimer will be on for tax and estate planning. And, and also Mike's to talk here. a little bit about his eight part series about wandering okay, foot, okay. weary breast. And then we also have someone from uh, Anthology. We've got two people coming in from Anthology okay. to come and talk about Anthology of Blue Ash. But in the meantime, today is the twenty. 20- 7th right. of January uh, 2021, and it is the 14th of Shabbat 5781, and, right. and the paper comes out tomorrow. Tomorrow, which is the 28th, and then the 15th of Shabbat. So um, we want to start with the news, and um, the top story this week is the loss of uh, Oscar Jarnicky passed away, and uh, he was, I was uh, acquainted with him, I knew him a little bit, I worked with him. Um, with, on some story, when Cedar Village got sold, I worked with him on presenting a number of stories to the public about what was going to change, what was going to happen with Cedar Village, and really not much has changed. What he had talked about, what we had predicted, uh, keeping in a kosher facility, people were very concerned it was not going to be kosher anymore, that it was not going to be Jewish, and that has all been resolved, and it still is kosher, it's still Jewish, and it's, you know, it's to the benefit and the, uh, the, the community wanted to keep it, all that stuff. And, and it still is. Um, and Oscar touched a lot of people's lives. It's a lot it's, of people's yeah. lives. So. And there's it, the article itself is so it's such a Very, good tribute to him. Yeah. Um, you hit on all his, the, his education, his family. He's a child of survivors. Yes. The late Ike and Rebecca Nieberliner Jarnicky. He went to Woodward. Cindy was his high school sweetheart. They've been together for, married for 45 years. It's, it's a big loss. It's a loss for their family, and it's a loss for the community. Well, I've been very I told you last week I was very sad because of Ed Hattenbach dying and passing away, and then I knew about Oscar Jarnicky at the time, and then uh, my old, one of my first bosses was Harvey Reese, who owned Bilkers, and he passed away. So right. Um, I thought that it was important to make all three of them front page stories because they, they were major, major people in this community and it's sad. I mean, I've been sad for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's, it's quite a loss. I went through high school with Oscar. I'm telling you, I couldn't find a nicer guy and his whole family, not only his parents, but his brother, Harold, 
So certainly um, our hearts go out to the entire family. Yes. May his memory be yeah, for bro. a blessing. All right. So, you know, so this is our senior issue, and we're right. going to talk a lot about it. And it's also going to fall into tax planning and um, right. estate planning. Right. And part of, of, of your role in as a lawyer, Michael, right. is tax and estate planning. And on page three, there's an article about the new support groups offer help and healing. And it is actually geared towards caregivers. And that's someone right. you've been working with, Michael, right? right? Because I've been getting a lot of calls from uh, caregivers and family members uh, during this COVID-19 period where uh, they would call me up frantically asking for uh, powers of attorney for financial affairs and healthcare powers of attorney, living wills, and so on. Uh, then I would ask where their loved one is or where the person that they're caring for is, and I'm being told that they're already in ICU on a ventilator, Oy. and that's too late. You need to plan for this in the, uh, ahead of time. You can't wait because if you wait, and you have no control over any of the matters that are, are uh, of dire necessity in that right. kind of a situation. Well, one th we do want to point out that this story is, was submitted by Agewell Cincinnati. And uh, it goes through uh, what's going on in the community right now in terms of COVID and uh, how they're addressing all those facts and addressing all those needs. And um, But as you said... Um, if you don't have your affairs in order as a an adult, uh, you should get your affairs in order immediately. immediately. Because you just don't know if you get you get COVID going to the you know wherever well, you can go someplace and you know. And well, we have a story. I'll, I'll go ahead on, on Jews in the News. There's a doctor in California that was yeah. treating. We'll come back to that. Yeah, later, but he was but, treating yeah. a patient. He had all the correct equipment on. And we'll that's go. the most important thing to remember is that the. Caution should not just be for those that are up in age, because COVID is affecting. I just heard a 33-year-old woman that passed away. Oh as so no matter what your age is, if you're not going to have uh, any documents for your estate plan, then you're making a big mistake. And yeah. you should definitely be thinking about powers of attorney, both for healthcare, financial, and for living wills, how you want to be uh, so taken one care of. One thing we should talk about right now is, you know, talk to your parents uh, talk to your children, your siblings, because you just don't know. So this is a discussion that should probably be a family discussion, a dinner table discussion. Are all your plans in order? Are all your, is your will and all that stuff in order? We all should have that stuff in order because you just don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Correct. Right. Right. Even don't later know. today. Yeah, or even later today. That's true. That's true. So um, – I want to talk about, so, so we, we normally highlight the community calendar a little bit once in a while, but uh, starting on Thursday, I believe Thursday is Tuba Shvat. Yeah, it starts, it starts tonight. starts tonight. tonight. So it starts Wednesday night tonight, and then it runs tomorrow. And so that is the anniversary and the blessing of trees. And, and is it fruit trees or just trees? All trees. All trees. All trees. So it's the anniversary and the birthday of all trees. So, uh, and a lot of people, they I know they go to uh, grocery stores and they get all these different fruits from Israel, and then have some people have seder's. Yeah, it's a two bishvat seder. Yeah, some people just eat some of the fruit and then celebrate, and uh, it's kind of a celebration too. So it's very interesting. Yeah, I believe J and F is having a big women's one this evening. Okay, um, and also. Uh, 
right now is the uh, Mayerson JCC Film Festival is on, ongoing. It started last weekend, and now it's ongoing. So that's going on. And that's, uh, all, that's all online, right? That, yes, it's all virtual. So um, as you are on page, like we always mention, number one is that the views expressed on the podcast are strictly those of the speaker. They are not necessarily those of the American Israelite. In addition... Um, we only do some of the stories that we go through. We pick out some of the ones that are, you know, that we like or of interest. But there's plenty more stories of interest to our readers that are in the paper that we just don't do. Yeah. So I noticed that on page five, you're looking for both a sports columnist and a travel writer. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Well, the, the past two have now moved on to other things, so we need a new travel writer, and we need a new sports writer. You send people on uh, trips for the travel writer? The travel writers usually do go on trips, yeah. they get. Uh, he wants to know that? if you Does pay for them. Does Israelite take care of all that? Yeah, sure. Ted will take care of it. Yeah, yeah. I think no. that's a great idea. No, I don't think so. I'll become no, a travel so. writer. No, I don't think so. Go anywhere you want me to go. <laughs> no, How about a one-way ticket to Timbuktu? Uh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> all right, so... Um, we do have a story on Tubishvat uh, 101, and that's on page seven. What Tubishvat's about? It's from my Jewish learning, but um, it talks about you know the origin of it, what it is, you know who, what, when, where, and why. And you should probably read it if you're not familiar with Tubishvat because it's a very interesting article. Very interesting. So we're going to kind of skip through a lot of the national and international, and we're going to move on to... If they are great articles. It should be read. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. I was, actually, I was kind of intrigued when this was about the Israeli Holocaust Museum that um, I guess there was some construction in Poland, and then when they opened up a wall, they found mm. uh, tefillin. Oh, wow. And it seems based, and I can't say 100%, but based on what I'm gathering from the article... One of the construction workers actually walked off with some of the stuff and was selling it probably through the black market. Uh. And the Israeli Holocaust Museum got it. Now, the Polish Holocaust Museums want it, and there's, you know, so there's been accusations back and forth. So somehow or other, these things were smuggled out. But, you know, you're in cons- a construction worker, you know, pixies these things, and they pocketed it, you know. Well, so the interesting, so they found tefillin in the wall of Yeah, the behind sin- some books and things. Okay, so did someone store it back there and then they forgot someone about it? No, it, or, they were, it, it's just from the Warsaw Ghetto and they were destroyed, they're taking uh, down those buildings, they're going to use them for residential, you know, for new, new buildings. And okay. so as they take things down, they're finding, I mean, I actually read a story recently, someone in Wyoming was taking down, cleaning, doing, doing their bathroom and tore behind a wall and found some tiles that were from the original HUC that somehow or other had gotten into their home. So, you know, if you have an older home and you start to take things out, you find huh. things. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Especially behind walls that have, you know, newer uh, okay, new so construction the, over okay, old so construction. Look, to follow that thread, if you had, you were in the Warsaw Ghetto and you were in part of the... And and you, you're hiding. Right, you're in hiding and you had your tefillin, so it's possible that they were either dragged off or they left it there right or they forgot about it they probably didn't forget about it my assumption would be is they put them there to hide them or they were with them hiding okay and when they they left it was not uh, you know i would say if you're running out of the house or you're being taken out of the house it's not going to be the first thing you grab exactly so it would have been taken out of the house so they might have been yeah yeah okay so that that might not have ended well no so that's that's probably not a good thing. 
Okay. All right. Um, so we move on to uh, mature living and senior life guy, which we'll also be interviewing Diane about, and uh, well, for tax and estate planning. Okay. All right. So, so we are we are here today with our special guest, uh, Daniel Hoffheimer, who is a local attorney at Taft Statinius. And uh, he, we couldn't make it last week, so we're going to make up for it this week. But we were talking with him about tax and estate planning, um, you know, and, and what to do for tax and estate planning. As well, we also want to hit on that magnificent uh, eight-part series that he had. Weary, exactly, exactly. Weary, breast, weary foot and wandering breast. Right, right. And so say hello, Dan. Hello, everybody. Glad to be invited as a guest. Yeah, and, you know, Dan. Thank you. I went through, you know, I like to go through and, and really do a good Google search on all of our guests. Your family goes way, way back before even the establishment of the Israelite in Cincinnati. Do you know much about your family history? Um, a fair amount. Um, the oldest relative uh, ancestor of mine that we have a record of coming to Cincinnati was, I think she was my great, great, great grandmother. She came down the Ohio River on a flatboat in 1830. Wow. And she was my she was my father's mother's ancestor. So she didn't have the name Hoffheimer, but she's the oldest one that we have. The Hoffheimers, uh, the, the, the Hoffheimers, there were several brothers who came to Cincinnati in 1848. And um, all of the Hoffheimers in Cincinnati are descended from those brothers. And they started the Hoffheimer Brothers Distillery, and I'm descended from one of them, and John Hoffheimer's family's descended from another, and Craig Hoffheimer's family's descended from another. But if you go back to 1848, there were the four brothers. And interestingly, after they immigrated to Cincinnati, they brought their parents to Cincinnati. So my great-great-grandfather Hoffheimer and great-great-grandmother Hoffheimer actually also came to Cincinnati, but after 1848. The sons came first, and then they brought their parents. Wow. And they're all buried over in the Walnut Hill Cemetery. Right, right. That's amazing. And then um, as far as your background and, and falling into law, uh, did you know you wanted to be a lawyer your whole life? I didn't know you were allowed to be anything else. <laughs> I mean, my father was a lawyer and my grandfather was a, a, a lawyer and a judge and a state legislator and uh, kind of came with the family territory. Um, obviously I knew I could have pursued other paths and indeed, um, I became very interested in college right away with another subject matter, which, uh, led me to, and people are sometimes surprised to hear this. Um, I essentially majored in Chinese history and, uh, w was encouraged to go on and get a PhD in East Asian studies of one form or another. But, you know, that would have been having to learn two East Asian languages, which are extraordinarily difficult. And uh, as well as all the other subject matter, would have been a ten-year road, and I just wasn't prepared to to be an impoverished student for ten years. So yeah. I decided law school for three years would enable me to do something interesting. And I I've been able to keep up with things Chinese and uh, write some articles and things like that. So um, I'm happy I chose the law, and I think my father was pleased. Yeah. My brother my baby brother also chose law. He practiced for a few years, but he became a legal scholar and uh, taught law for his career. And you actually went Harvard undergraduate and University of Virginia for law school, correct? That's right. Okay. Well, that's, that's a great, great history. And 
Um, I don't know how you, where did you go to high school here in Cincinnati? Because that's always a big question. Well, I went to Cincinnati Country Day School, but then I went away to prep school. I went to Exeter. Oh. Before I went, before I went to college. Were there a so, lot of other Jewish boys at Exeter at that time? There were, there were a fair amount. We had a, we had a, uh, we had a Friday night group. Uh, I know those Eastern prep schools have a reputation of being, you know, lily white, Protestant, whatever. And certainly that was the history. I mean, Exeter was founded, Exeter was founded um, actually during the time of the American Revolution. So it goes way back to the 1700s. But by the time I was there, it was much more diverse. And today it's incredibly diverse. When I was there, it was only males. And the year after I graduated, they went co-education. Was there a girls' <laughs> school that you would do dances with or something? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had we had sister schools, and every weekend, either we were going off on a bus somewhere or they were coming in on a bus. Or they shipped yeah, in the girls, very, yeah. <laughs> I met some very, very interesting people um, that way. Yeah. So tell us, how did you fall into deciding the tax and estate law was something that in, it was an interest of yours? Well, uh you know, as a lawyer, you go to practice law, and it's not exactly that you choose what you want to do. You do what your clients want you to do. Mm. Now, as a practical matter, you start to develop expertise, and certainly in a in a large law firm like the one I came to, they put you into an area where you're you're doing certain things within a somewhat limited area. You're not going to do everything. But I started out in the in the litigation group, and I started out doing trial work. And I did a lot of different kinds of litigation. I also did family law and domestic relations. I did immigration law. But my office was next to the partner who handled basically by herself all of the estate planning in the firm when I started. Mm. And she would occasionally get uh, contentious clients or contentious beneficiaries. And since my office was next to hers and she was Jewish and we got along very well. She would come into my office and say, Dan, do you think you could take a look at this? And I started doing the estate and trust and probate litigation, will contest and trust construction and that sort of thing. But I wasn't doing the planning side of it. But then come along, the firm is growing and she retired and changes occurred. And the, um, the, the firm needed more estate planning expertise. And I knew the substantive law from the litigation side, but I wasn't a planner. So the manage, the uh, the managing partner of the firm came to me and asked me if I would be willing to move over into the what was then called the tax probate and estate planning group and um, start to do the on the planning side since I had a fair amount of knowledge of the law. So that was in 1991 that I switched out of the litigation department and went into the estate planning group, and that's where I've been ever since. And, you know, and, and we actually had Michael Ganson here earlier also talking about tax and estate planning, especially in terms of COVID, because people are calling him now while, yeah. while people are un, in, intubated and they can't yeah. make decisions for themselves. But um, if you could sum up what is the most important aspect in someone's life, if they have to, the, the first thing you must do for getting your estate in order to prepare your children for your eventual demise? What would it, you say sure. maybe the, the, the most important or the top three things that one would, must do? Well, I'm going to answer that, but I'm glad you mentioned Mike Ganson because he's a good friend. He's an outstanding lawyer. He's a lawyer to whom I have referred matters going on, well, over for probably over 40 years now. 
when I've had a conflict of interest or it's a matter that I can't handle, I've always been happy that, that Mike is out there. Um, the fair, I mean, it was sort of the, I guess the, the answer I should give you, the very first thing would be to pick up the phone and call a lawyer. <laughs> right. But actually, even even before doing that, and, 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 you know, if somebody already has a lawyer, that's the person they should call. If they don't have a lawyer, they should give some thought to how they would go about finding that lawyer. And with the Internet today, you know, you can do so much research on your own. It's both a, a, a benefit and a detriment because there's so much information. It's very easy to go down the rabbit hole and the, and the wrong rabbit hole and get all kinds of misinformation. But it's also, if you're smart about it, it's also possible to find reliable websites, including law firm websites, but things like uh, the American Bar Association, uh, the American College of Trust and Estate Council, the American College of, uh, of uh, State Planning Lawyers, and so on, which has a lot of free information on there. And a lot of that information says, well, these are the things you need to do, and this is what you might expect. And if you haven't hired a lawyer yet, here are the kinds of questions you should be prepared to ask your lawyer. That information is out there. And any prospective client who comes in to see me or see any lawyer, uh, that lawyer is going to be very pleased if the prospective client is prepared and has already done some, is, is already educated. Right. So they know they know about a will. They know that it's not the same thing as a trust. But really, directly to answer your question, once a client is getting ready to do something, the very first thing they ought to have is make sure that their advanced directives are in order, um, including their their HIPAA waiver. You know, we do this for every client who comes in to do estate planning. We, we don't even necessarily even mention it much. We just draft it and send it out with our documents, and then we explain why we include it. And that's because federal law supersedes state law. And federal law goes to extreme, uh, in, is extreme in protecting the privacy of patients. So if a client ends up in a hospital room um, and is unconscious and not able to give direction at any time, the hospital and the doctors are not going to let anybody in other than anybody who has the right by law. And if the person has a spouse, that person will probably be allowed in, but it would be a lot nicer to have that spouse named in an advanced directive, along with anyone else that the client wants to be sure gets in there. And with blended families, you may have children from a previous marriage, for example, who aren't going to be allowed into your hospital room unless you've given them that permission in an advanced directive. Mm. It's a one-page document. It's very easy to do. You, you sort of consider it as a companion to a living will and a durable power of attorney for health care, which are also the first things that a client should do. And then on top of that, uh, power of attorney for financial matters. If, if the client ends up in the hospital and unable to express wishes, such as, God forbid, COVID or an automobile accident or just age, um, and bills have to be paid and checks have to be signed, you really need to have that power of attorney in there. Just because you're married doesn't mean your wife is going to have access to your checking account. Right. Joint accounts, fine. But if, if it's not a joint account, you need to have that authorization. Barry can't even get in my so safe. <laughs> Does he know the code? I've right. told him the combination. <laughs> I've told him where I've hidden the combination. <laughs> right. So he's going to need to pres- you're going to need to present that financial power of attorney that says, I hereby authorize my agent to have access to my any safe deposit box that I may own. 
at the time of my disability. So, so far, all that I've talked about is things that you need to have in place to take care of your affairs while you're still alive. Mm -hmm. But with the aging of America, the statistics out there are pretty frightening, and I can't remember them off the top of my head, but a very high percentage of people will become completely disabled and unable to express their wishes, but still living. Um, because, because um, you know, if you've made it to 65, your chances of living to 90 or 95 are pretty good, um, like 50-50, and, and even better to live to 80. Right. And during all of that time, the chances that you might be disabled by a stroke uh, or just dementia, not even necessarily Alzheimer's, but just the inability to make rational decisions and people start to not trust your signature on checks, you'd better have those documents in place for your health care uh, and for uh, financial arrangements. And this is all while you're still alive. Uh, you might even use a living trust for that purpose, a trust that would, uh, during your lifetime, contain assets that you've transferred into it, at least, for example, liquid assets like a checking account or a, a fidelity account or a uh, Vanguard account or any of the accounts that have liquid assets or can assets that can be made liquid so that during your lifetime, the trustee, the successor trustee that you've named in that trust can step in and control those assets in order to take care of you and pay your bills. Um, otherwise, there's no alternative but to go to probate court for a guardianship. And then that entails uh, perhaps ugliness if there are you know, if it's a blended family, which is look, most families these days have some some step family person in there at some level. Right. Um, the step step parent doesn't agree with the the disabled person's children on some basis. It can be it can be have to go to court, and in the guardianship, who's going to be appointed guardian? It may not be the one that you that you want unless you've clearly designated that person. Mm-hmm. And um, guardianship means that court supervised. You have to file accounts with the court every two years. Uh, uh, Investigators from the probate court have to go out and examine the ward to make sure that they're not being abused and they're being well taken care of. And the finances have to be approved every two years by the probate court. And that means every canceled check has to be inspected. Every credit card receipt has to be inspected. That's expensive. You have to have a lawyer do it. Most people would need a lawyer to do it. The court wants you to have a lawyer to do it. It's much easier to decide when you when you're healthy and you can think about it. Right. Who would I want to have my power of attorney? You know, usually it's going to be your spouse. Right. But you also want to name a backup. You know, again, God forbid you're in a car accident and your spouse dies, but you're disabled. Who's, which among your children is going to have that agency? Yeah. And you may think, well, I'm going to name all three of my children together. Well, what if they don't agree? Yep. Well, then the third parties are going to say, you have to go to probate court and get a court order. And that's what you're trying to avoid. So dealing with and avoiding guardianship is a big part of lifetime planning, um, as well as the health care documents and the HIPAA waiver. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. So in, ter- in terms of the expense of taking care of your tax and estate planning, what would be a reasonable sum that someone should expect that they're going to have to spend to take care of their uh, their family business, you know, their family uh, interests. What's a reasonable amount, and what's what would be unreasonable? Yeah, it's it's hard to answer that because you don't know what the family circumstances are. So I got a call 
from a longtime client of mine yesterday. Um, they are Canadian nationals. They do not have U.S. citizenship. They have three children. Uh, two of them are dual citizens, and the third one has become a U.S. citizen. Two of them live in Canada. One lives in the United States. They own property in two foreign countries. They also own property in the United States. They think they're going to die in Cincinnati, Hamilton County, but they're not sure. Um, and their assets are well above the estate tax limits. And so they're facing estate tax and generation skipping tax if they don't do significant planning. And they want to make sure that the trust go on for uh, generations to come. They want to be sure their children have access to them, but they don't want their children to own them outright. That's an expensive estate plan. That's going to require many hours with the lawyer to really, and probably joint conferences with their financial planner and their tax advisor. Um, Because the law governing uh, aliens, foreigners is, is very strict in terms of how to handle the estate tax exemptions. So that's a major plan for a client that, you know, things are pretty simple and they're, they're below the estate tax limit. And I'm going to come back to what that is or what that might be in the future. Um, it depends really on how much guidance the client wants. If they say, you know, I understand I can have these dynasty type trusts. I read about that online, but really, I just want to be sure that everything that my spouse and I own it, and, and it's a simple family. There's no, there are no stepchildren. There are no dividing assets into two different trusts because of that. We just want to take care of each other, whichever one of us survives. And then uh, when the second spouse dies, we simply want it to pay out in three equal char- shares to our three children. And we know that that is somewhat risky because those assets could be subject to uh, claims in a divorce court if one of our kids gets married and gets divorced. But, you know, at that point, it's really their problem to take care of. That's a relatively simple plan, certainly compared with the first one. You know, if, if they don't take a lot of the lawyer's time, they, you probably could do it for 1500 to, I would say 1500 to 5000 depending on how many hours they want to talk with the lawyer. Okay. The drafting of the documents doesn't take a lot of time. It's the time with the lawyer, and that's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um and there's a wide range of, of fees out there. And yes, there are lawyers who will do it for uh, more and there are lawyers who do it for less. Right. The ones who do it for more are generally specialists and they generally can get it done quicker. But that's okay. a generalization that's not always true. Well, one thing I'd what probably... I would say. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Ted. So I'd want to point out that, you know, anybody listening to this uh, to our program, and thinking about what to do, probably, you know, should maybe even listen to this a couple of times because yeah. he's a giving lot of, a lot, lot of, of information. information. And um, you have to kind of keep up with what Dan's saying because he thinks so quickly. But, uh, um, you know, call your attorney. If you have, and plus also, if you haven't, you know, updated your will or your power of attorney in a couple of years, you might want to go take a look at that and update that stuff too. Yeah, it's very, and then of course with each administration change, things change. So you were going to tell us about what the estate tax limit was. Yeah. Ted, you make a really good point. And that's what I said earlier. I think people should either go to the law firm's website. Most law firms, um, at least if they do estate planning, have some good information on their law firm website. I think ours does. Um, 
And I would recommend you do that. I'm, I'm not ever suggesting you change lawyers. Right, if right, your right. lawyer is, is capable of doing this work, that's absolutely who you well, should use. Well, I have, one, I have one of the best in the world. And, you know, <laughs> the guy I'm, we're talking, Dan wrote my estate plan. Mm-hmm. And Michael's also your attorney, so. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Yeah, I know when I worked here as, well, the account, as the bookkeeper, I was always writing checks to his lawyers. Ted, Ted loves lawyers. He yes, really he, does. Well, I, you know. Anyway, <laughs> well, Dan was saying you know, the about... The thing I want to say about the cost of lawyers, they're actually cheaper than the investment advisors. If you think about it, you put your money, even in a mutual fund, there are annual fees that come out year after year after year, every right. year. Right. And let's say it's 1% of your account. Right. Whatever it is, half a percent, 1%, one and a half percent, depending on the kind of investment advisor you have. The lawyer's fee is a one-shot deal. Yes, you should look at it every few years, but in most cases, the changes from, if you look at it every three years, uh, the, what you want to hear is you want to call your lawyer up and say, would you take a look at my documents? You take a look at them, you have a conversation, and the lawyer says, I don't think you need to change anything. Right. And if the lawyer bills you for an hour of his time, that's well spent. It's like going to your general practitioner doctor. Uh, yes. You don't want your doctor to say you've got a problem. You want him to say or her to say, you're fine. And then you get... You get well, you, you actually want to hear get, him say, you're fine. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, they charge, they charge you a fee for the, the examination, but you're not looking for trouble. But yeah, updating it every few years maybe is necessary, yeah, uh, but yeah. it might not. So when you amortize the cost of a lawyer over your adult life, let's say, it comes out to a per year cost of pretty little and certainly in almost all cases less than what an investment investment advisor charges. But I would recommend clients look for all that general information out there on law firm websites uh, or the American College of Trust and Estate Council uh, has very, very good information for the general population. And that's the premier service organization and um, a lead organization for state planning lawyers. Um, in terms of the other issue, Julie, that you asked about uh, what what's in store, you know, as a result of the um, current tax law that was passed during the Bush administration, the exemption, is, the, the estate tax exemption is more than $11 million per person. Wow. And it's indexed to inflation. So it's actually already gone up to, I think it's up to about $11.5 million per person. What that means is that a married couple with a properly structured set of trusts right. can shelter up to $22 million from estate tax. And that's really an incredible, uh, uh, what that means is that, I, I forget the exact number, but it's something like, one-tenth of one percent of Americans will ever face, it's probably less than that, but right, it's on right. the order one-tenth of one percent of Americans will ever face a state tax. Right. The problem is that there's no guarantee that Congress will keep those exemptions in the future. Right. And in fact, under that law, the exemption is scheduled to go down to $5 million in 2025. Mm. And so if Congress does nothing, it's automatically going to go down. So unless you think Congress is going to do something mm. and you have an estate of $5 million or more, right. you ought to at least be thinking about whether in the future you're going to face estate tax. Perhaps even worse from the point of view of taxes, 
um, there's no guarantee that if the Democrats get enough control and to retain the control and survive filibusters or whatever the procedural arrangements are going to be in a 50-50 Senate, right. I mean, whatever's going to happen in the election of 2022 in the Congress and 2024 in the Congress, the Democrats may reduce the exemption even further. So a good lawyer in drafting documents for a client at whatever level their assets are, if they are, at least if they're over two or three or four million, is going to consider building a formula into a client's trust, an ugly looking formula that the client is not going to understand. The lawyer is going to have to, to, to really try to clarify why a lawyer is using this formula. It's to say, we don't have to guess what your net worth is going to be in the next five years. Well, you don't, yeah. You definitely the, ought to, right. You definitely ought to review it. But if you die unexpectedly or both of you go down in a plane crash unexpectedly, at least we've gotten as much of the estate tax exemption as we can in the right. year that you die. Right. And, and, but yeah, let's come, right. go ahead, Ted. Well, I'm just going to say, you don't know what this, you know, you could have X amount of dollars today and then, um, you know, the, the stock market's going to go up or it's going to go down, but you would hope that those assets were going to go up in value. So it's going to be increased, and then you have to kind of account for all that too. Uh-oh. Wait, there he is. Okay. Almost lost you there. So. I'm here. Okay. Um, that's true. Yeah. Um, that, that's also true. But I also want to go back to, to the couple that has very, very substantial assets, maybe not $22 million, but they've got – even five million. Okay. Whatever they, whatever they pass by the estate tax exemption to their children, that qualifies for the estate tax exemption, so that neither the husband nor the wife ends up paying any estate tax. But then the assets go to the children. Those assets are going to be taxed in the children's estates, oh, okay. unless they qualify for the exemption. So what? Because there is not only a genera- a, an estate tax, but also a generation ta- skipping tax, there's also a generation skipping tax exemption. And a prop- properly drafted trust can use those exemptions so that assets will escape taxation um, at, the cup- at the couple's death, but also escape taxation when their children die. You know, maybe 30, 40, 50, even 50, 60 years later. Right. You know, if the parents die prematurely and the children survive another another 60 years, think of how much those assets could have grown to if they're respected and, you know, the used to educate children and for health, but they aren't, they aren't abused. Those assets could easily rise to the level of being taxed. But right. if you qualify for the generation skipping tax exemption at the first death, at the husband or wife's death, They'll never be taxed. Now, some clients like to do that and some clients don't, but it's something that lawyers need to review with their clients. Um, it does require the trust to be more complicated, but think about this. The taxes saved would be multiples, almost unimaginable multiples of the legal fees spent in preparing that kind of an estate plan. So there's a lot of information we've gone through today. And um, so one of the first things I would recommend is, number one, to listen to this program maybe a couple of times and write down what Dan's talking about. And then um, if you haven't updated your estate plan and your will and your ta- you know, everything, you should probably go do that now or this year 
and uh, contact your your you know favorite uh, tax and estate attorney, which that would be Dan Hoffheimer in my case. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I do update mine every now and then, every couple of years, because things change, and you know, you want to stay current, and you want to you know know what you know. So everything. Want to take care of your family. For, exactly. In, exactly. In the, in the so time. we're gonna have to. We're gonna wrap this up. Yep. I'm just gonna ask you if just a few questions. I want to go back just real quick on that. We want people to go and read that eight part series. It was yes, amazing. I, I I read the whole thing. Um, actually, there was a few things I had never I'd never heard the word transjordan till I'd read your. Oh. And um, I also want to know how did you end up picking that Lord Byron's Hebrew melody as the um, as the title of your paper? What was it that motivated you to use that? Well, the Lord Byron poem is uh, is a philo-Semitic poem. It's it's basically saying um, as a British as a British Romantic poet, he's basically saying I really understand the long suffering of the Jewish people. Uh-huh. And he basically wrote a poem about it. Mm-hmm. It was. It, I have to tell people they really have got to. It was a great. I learned much more, um, particularly you know, in you know as it you you grew the story from the beginning. There was background, and you each different segment grew into another portion, and it made it very clear to understand why Israel has the right to exist based on international law. It was. Right. It was well. Um, I'm thinking, you know, we should maybe have Dan on maybe every now and then to talk about tax and estate planning because this is a lot of information yeah. too. Yeah. And maybe we should bring him back onto the program um, and do specific. And we wanted items. to be able to come in here too. So when you get your yeah, second, sh- right. when you get your first shot and then your second shot, right. we want you to come in and. And in, and because people love this kind of, they love this. Well, they love this legal talk, and, and uh, I like the history. You know, I did, too. Yeah, I used to be on a radio show with uh, Rich King. You remember him? Yes, yes. I used to be on. He'd have me on about once every six weeks to talk mm-hmm. about uh, le- to talk about legal matters. Well, yeah, and I so, always enjoyed. It. So, so sure, once yeah. I get my shot, I'm to come out and. Yeah. Um, um, use me as you like. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We will. we'd we love will. to have you. This was we'd wonderful and, and very informative. And I'm going to go home and tell Barry that he's going to have to learn the combination of that safer. He's not going to get to anything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Okay. And right. we wish you well. Right. Stay healthy. Stay get that, healthy. The, get those two shots and come in and have lunch and spend the day with us. Yes. Love to keep up all your great work at the American Israelite. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, so we are back on and live. Um, so we want to go. We'll bring, we'll come back to the mature living senior life when we get to anthology and when we bring. That was a on. great interview with Daniel really, Hoffheimer, and I think that you made a lot of good points about we need to have him on regularly to remind people I, I, of what they need to do. And I tr- I took some notes down. I'm going to go home and uh, really. Speak. You really you kind of have to take notes when he's talking because. It's it's like the professor talking. Yes. And uh, you know you've got to have you know power of attorney. And I so wanted to talk about yeah. And and I wanted to talk about that eight part article he wrote because it was so good (laughs) and I learned so much. Actually, what I've been doing with uh, things like that, like an art, I've been putting my iPhone on speak. Right. Right. I highlight it and I make my iPhone speak it for me. So while I'm walking, it's the same almost as listening to my podcast. Okay. I actually listen and then if I didn't understand something, I went back and I could go back and listen to it again. It was great and I really enjoyed that. Dan Dan is just a brilliant, brilliant man. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. And um, so these concepts that he's talking about in tax for us laymen, it's kind of, we need to have him explain it. 
and you need to have someone translate that in. You know, he kind of explains it really well, but you still need to go to the attorney and you know get everything up to date. Because it's all based on your personal financial situation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So speaking of brilliant, yes. you're going to go back to 1854 and our brilliant Samuel Bruel. All right. So in the beginning of 1854, the Israelitish Institutions of Cincinnati by Samuel Bruel. Neither have they K.K. Adas Yisrael, a burial ground, but for a nominal sum, the joint congregations of Broadway and Lodge Streets allow them the use of their ground when they have occasion for it. Editors note the Broadway congregation of this date is K.K. Bennett Israel, now more commonly known as Rockdale Temple. The Lodge Street congregation is K.K. Bennett Yeshurun, now the Isaac Wise Temple. Their joint burial ground was on the Montgomery Road, and is now is, is is on Montgomery Road, and is now called the Walnut Hill Cemetery. And that's this is from 1854. That's where my family is. My mm-hmm. the Hesselbergers and the Deutsches are there. And in fact, Michael was talking was he's talking about that um, that there are people there that are buried in 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 Wanted Hills. Right. You know, and the thing is, again, last week we oh, talked and, about and Dan Hofheimer's family. Dan Hofheimer's too. Right. Right. Exactly. So we were talking about this KK that means like your blessed congregation and Kahodish is isn't it? I forget. That's why you need the bar mitzvah so that you know. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to keep pushing that, but you know. Um, in 1921, we yes. have an interesting advertisement that must have been put in all the local newspapers about Ireland. And our editor tells right. us that the... Right, what a- is this? this well, is it's, Ireland was going for its own self-determination. Okay. It's the, in the editor's notes of the Irish Anglo-Irish Treaty that ended the Irish War of Independence 1919 to 1921 and established the Irish Free State was signed in December 1921. Okay. Irish independence and self-determination was therefore still an active issue in January 1921 when this election was advertised. So this Mary McSweeney was an educator of what was going on in Ireland, and she oh. must have been traveling the country, and she came to Cincinnati, and they put in an ad to tell people to come to Music Hall on this particular day at 8 p.m. to hear and understand what was going on in Ireland so that you could you know, make an informed decision. So that's a really very, very cool. So... Do you think they're also seeking funds to pay for all the it may have been legal work that they needed done or the representation? Know, but but it, it also began with a concert. The whole okay. thing you can go and get a concert for it. But so that was a hundred years ago. But a hundred and twenty-five years ago, right. among the recent graduates from the normal school were Mrs. Teresa Block, Hilma Jenko, Katie Oaks, Cora Newman, and Blanche Bauman, who received their diplomas as teachers, hmm. last the final examinations. And then editor, which is Carol, wrote, Normal schools trained high school graduates to become teachers. Huh. The city normal school of Cincinnati was organized in 1868 in the 19th century. The course of training was generally two years and extended to four for teacher training in the 20th century. Okay. So below that, um, we don't have a ladies' column, but this tells you that <laughs> instead of flowers... Well, you should read this. This is actually funny. Okay, so the Bridal Bible. It has become the custom and fashion for brides at the marriage to carry a Bible or prayer book instead of flowers. To meet the demand, we have published a special edition of the Pentateuch. Printed Pentateuch. Pentateuch. Tush. Tush. Okay, like tush. Tukus. Yeah. Like tush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, printed on linen paper and richly bound. 
gilt edge, heavy white moiré antique silk padded cover with space for embossing in gold letters the name of the groom and the bride and the date of the marriage. The book is as genteel and elegant as the most fastidious tastes no, can desire. No, you have desire. to read that in a certain way. The book is as genteel and elegant as the most fastidious tastes can desire. You did a good job. I know, I know that. <laughs> An engraved marriage certificate is bound within the cover. Size of the book is four by six inches. We will send it to any address postpaid and carefully boxed for $5. All orders will have prompt attention. And that's the block publishing, which, of course, we know is Pretty the American Israel. Right. So they're, they're, all hooked, they're hooked up together. They're all family. It's, yeah. It was family. That was family back then. Yeah. And then 100 years ago, you want to talk about a little love so letter. Li- little bouquets for the Israelite. Now, this is, what, what is this? Little bouquets for the Israelite. Enclosed, you will find $4 for which please let your paper come on. I don't know. <laughs> I, lo- I love its historical sketches, both ancient and modern. M.W. Harrell, H-E-R-R-E-L-L. Powell Station, Tennessee. So maybe they were either sending their payment, their annual payment, and so they were sending you four dollars, you know, as like, or they were making a donation (laughs) to the paper, or sending a gift, you know, as a gift that they really appreciated the. uh, um. So one of the most interesting things about being my job, and I won't mention names or anything, but once in a while I will get a letter from an inmate. Oh. I get letters from inmates. Are they looking for a date? No, they're looking for the paper. Okay. Because they have a lot of time on their hand and they like they read it I mean every single word in yeah. the paper. And there's a couple that we've set up through the years. When it first happened this is going back twenty years ago, I got a letter from an inmate that it was at, you know, XYZ, please set me up with a, you know, a subscription, blah, 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 and here's my payment. And and uh, you know, we we did that and periodically I will get a letter from someone that's an inmate that wants to read the paper in, you know, in, in jail. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, and that reminds me of another story. Uh, it's sort of on the same, because I said, are right. they looking for a date? So, you know, after we had our article about our five persons of the year. Right, right. Pam Sakes actually received a call from a woman um, because we had written in there and we had talked about how many people Pam People had, Pam had fixed up based on okay. access and how many weddings came out of it and how many uh, children came out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. So a woman wrote to her saying, I have a son and I'd like him to meet someone and you seem to be someone who <laughs> knows how to fix people up. And I was hoping you could help me, you know, make a shidduch for my son. And I thought that's, you know, maybe the Israelites should go back to some of those old columns, you know. I know there's J-Date and there's everything else, but you just, you know. Well, we, we, people like that, that um, what is it, uh, the, the homespun, you know, the, they don't want to go on. They, well, they just, call it going organic, like, you know, yeah, like, you yeah. know, I was having lunch with Mrs. Goldberg, and, and, and she and has she, a granddaughter that yeah. lives in the same building as you. You want to go and have a little coffee with her, you know. Yeah, you know, just like a, like a homespun introduction yeah. versus some highfalutin thing. So, you know, know so you, you, you do it for the inmates? You could do it for the... Uh... <laughs> well, we don't do dates for the inmates. We just send them the subscription to the paper. All right, so 25 years ago, Richard Shank, president of Jewish Federation, has announced that the 100th anniversary of the Jewish Federation will be celebrated with a series of events May 16th through 19th. And I can't believe this is 25 years. So the, the, the 
Federation is now 125 years old this year. Wow. Coming up this year. Yeah, this year in 2021. We should have a big party with some halava and some. If everybody, you know, if everybody gets the vaccine. So we were talking about Mike about the vaccine. I'm trying to, I'll be, we're up for the vaccine so in about two weeks. We could have a big open weeks. house here, you know. We yeah. could get it yeah. catered. And yeah, that's fine with me. I, I think we need, to, we need to celebrate when this, when we all get our vaccine. Tenth the, the street there. And <laughs> Tenth Street. Uh, we <laughs> have all a need parade. To, yeah, we should have a parade. That's we for definitely sure. definitely have a parade. So, uh, yeah, as soon as we all get this vaccine, we can start celebrating and have... You know, so I, I want to go out and hang out with my friends again and do stuff. Tell and, me about it. You know, yeah. we're all kind of, you know, we're, we're fed up with this thing. The thing needs to go away. We've had right. enough. Um, We've we're had trying it, to think of something yeah. creative is for the baby to do something creative. We're thinking that we would have people go into our porch with a heater on and we could sit behind the glass yeah, yeah. and we could have some sort of a bagel box out there. Well, what about now? Boxes. So we were talking about this off air, but what about the breasts? The breasts? Well, uh, unfortunately, because of COVID, there yeah. is some fear about re-exposing the baby a number of times. To uh, not only just the the hospital or the doctor's office, but you know, to even a moil. Right, so right. it has been taken care of. Yeah, um, and then yeah. the, today she said to me, "Well, do we do the naming tomorrow?" But I, I think, think we're yeah. we, you know I think we're going to I'm going to call the rabbi again I today. Think you can. Yeah. And we're going to figure out something, and then um, yeah, and I then could have a naming ceremony. Yeah, you know. do something. You could, do it, on, get a you could do it on Zoom, and he could be right. blessed. Yeah, well, we're thinking sure. we're trying to think Why not? of being creative. But speaking of of birth, yeah, um, 25 years ago, Allison Shapiro Bloom and Andrew H. Bloom announced the birth of his son, Jeremy Shane Bloom, December 22nd. Um, so this, this actually came out on February 1st, 1996, but he was born December 22nd, 1995. And Allison Bloom right. and both Andrew Bloom. So Allison is Allison Shapiro Bloom. Her parents, her father was the late Lawrence Shapiro, and her mother is Betsy Shapiro. And Andrew Bloom's parents are the late Ann Bloom and... Um, Frank and Rosemary Bloom, who okay. still live in Blue Ash, okay. and they're 97. Okay. Um, and, and Allison's mom, Betsy Sapiro, is actually living in Florida at the time. But this is their son, Jeremy, who was born 25 years ago. And they both are from Wyoming. But interestingly, they live in Highland Park, Illinois, and they're uh, friends with my sister and her husband. Uh, and I, I've met Allison a couple times. I actually met... I thought we weren't supposed to talk about our families. Oh, well, oh, well, too bad. <laughs> so anyway, they are... They're, she's a, a good friend of my... A very good friend of my sister's, and I actually met his brother as well at a wedding in town, because but they live out in, I believe, Colorado. His brother lives now. So in the meantime, so Jeremy is now 25 years old. Uh, he went to Occidental University. He, he got a degree in cinematography, and he actually works for a company that subcontracts out, and he's following the Chicago Blackhawks around the country doing cinema. So very, very cool. They have another son, Adam, who is an engineer, and he went to Rice University, and he's living out in Denver. But Allison um, works for an amazing, she's the director of development for Shalva, which is a women's abuse center in Chicago. Uh And Andrew Uh himself is in financial planning. But the other interesting thing is, okay, so you know my sister has this very high-end boutique right and in the very beginning I, I would go with her and i would be the person to try on the clothes when we went to the shows because there's no mirrors when you go to these shows okay. and one of her favorite designers is lisa todd so lisa todd is actually lisa shapiro and she is allison's sister and she was in oh, the wow. Adith israel picture with barry at Adith israel when barry took that you know there's a bar mitzvah picture where all these wow. kids are sitting at the desk right, and right. all those kids that we all know are in that picture well 
Lisa mm. Todd's Lisa Shapiro is in that, and Todd is actually the middle name of their brother Steve Shapiro. Right. Okay. So, um, so it's, it's tying, all this tying it all together. All together, it's really. Okay. I had a lovely conversation okay. with um, right. Allison. You know, her parents Lawrence and Larry Lawrence Larry Shapiro and Betsy were very very involved in HUC, which of course is okay. our love from because of Rabbi Isaac Mayer Wise, right. as Found, well, founder. also the Lighthouse right, in Cincinnati. Right, right. And a lot, of, a lot of passion for that. And right. so it was a great conversation. I loved speaking with her. I'm so glad that she opened up and told me all about what was going on and about her family. And we wish them well. Happy birthday to Jeremy, 25 years. And uh, it's, it's all good. Okay, so um, 10 years ago, uh, the Cincinnati chapter of Hadassah will hold its annual donor luncheon on Wednesday, April 6th at the Kenwood Country Club. The doors will open at 11 a.m. for registration in the Hadassah Boutique, offering unique jewelry, Vasu vases, and Hadassah cards and certificates for sale at 11.30 a.m. Violinist Gaina Bassin yeah. and pianist Claire Lee will perform a program of Jewish medallies. At noon, a beautiful, bountiful Buffet luncheon will be served, and Rita Rothenberg will be honored for her many contributions to Hadassah and the community. Well, I was there, and oh, I, I, okay. I absolutely, I know I was there 100%. Okay. I remember um, because, you know, Ganya and Claire play a lot, and be- amazing musicians, both of them. Yep. And I remember Rita Rothenberg getting up and talking um, when it was her turn to talk. And it's, all, it's a really good spread at the Kenwood. It's all, they do it like Jewish food, so they okay. at least help. Um, make it a Jewish morning, and it's it's really a lovely, lovely event. I remember the whole room was well, filled a, with the, people. The Kenwood Country is beautiful. Beautiful be- country club. A beautiful place. All right, so um, you want to talk about this Jews in the News thing um, yeah, so, item. So anyway, I I really like this column that you get from Nate Bloom. Yeah. Um, so not related to Allison and Andrew Bloom, but in the meantime, there is an interesting story that I think we should all take note of. I didn't, you know, one of the things on here is I had, I didn't know Neil Diamond was Jewish. You didn't know Neil? He had that whole movie where he talks about coming to America, uh, and he sings the, all the songs. So he's yes. in here. He's in. He's in the column this yeah, week. Yeah, well, he's got Parkinson, and he's oh. actually doing pretty well. They said, but um, oh. so he took a step back. But he his voice was not affected. But he did take a step back, and they talk about how unlike Linda Roth said, who also has Parkinson, yeah. um, it had affected her voice, but it has not affected his. And uh, mm. so they said he's he's he he's was like my 80. my father's favorite singer. Oh, my father's was Barbara Streisand. Well, what, but what about the guy? He had a guy singer, too, he I'm liked. sure he did, but we always were... Probably oh, Neil Herb, Diamond. Well, Neil well, Diamond and, and Barbara Streisand. Well, we, we listened to a lot of Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. When <laughs> I we lived in, to that, too. Yeah, when we lived in Puerto Rico, you know, we didn't have a TV, and we had a record player, <laughs> and we uh, would listen to Herb Alpert, the Tijuana Brass, a lot of Barbara Streisand, <laughs> and we would dance around them. That was the first time I got an electrical <laughs> shock, because I plugged it into this plug in Puerto Rico, and I got an electrical shock. All right, so, so anyway... <laughs> Paimon Simoni is a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. He gi- died January fourteenth of COVID nineteen at, at the age of fifty. Wow. So take note that he was fifty, and I guarantee you that guy must have been in good health before that. So he was a prominent plastic surgeon in in People magazine. Um, he was part of the show The Doctors, and last month he performed a lip filling on a patient. And a few days later, she called his office, and I'm she must be just just devastated, and told him that she had tested positive, and Doctor Simoni caught COVID. They assume mm. from her, and despite following all the COVID treatment mm. protocols, including temperature checks, wearing masks, 
Um, and it, it, as Nate Bloom said, his death shows how scary and unpredictable it is. But he was born in Iran, and um, he probably displayed his Jewish and his medical background. And he, it's a, a very sad story. It's a great loss. I know, you know, plastic surgeons do perform a good service. They make people feel better about themselves, no matter what else you can say about it. But uh, And they also heal people who have been hurt in a tragic right, way. Right, right. Uh, and... Um, he was a uh, he traveled to Tel Aviv as a peace volunteer during the 1991 Gulf War. He received his medical degree from the Albert Einstein School of Medicine, um, and he was board certified and qualified to in two surgical specialties. So, I guess I'm I'm going to go back to saying no matter how careful you are, things happen. Okay. And I think that we ought to take that into consideration. Um, mass on, you still yes. can yes. get yes. a prevalent problem. Yes, every not every minute. Um, so hatred in plain sight, which is this is part five of that uh, series of articles, and uh, so there's two more after this. But uh, I find it fascinating, and I think everyone should read it. That's on page 19, along with Jews in the News, and uh, I think everyone will find that article really fascinating. And then on page 20, we have your new columnist again, yes. Uh, yes. Dr. Ken Mangus. So you want it's it's about why New Year's Eve's New Year's, new Year's resolutions, resolutions fail, yeah. Yeah. and essentially. You know, you've got to make him realistic. Yes. You can't be hard on yourself. And he's got a system called RAIN that he follows. And read this article. You'll find out, you know, why you do fail at some of these things. And well, I, I think if you just do maybe small amounts, and um, I've always found that um, if you don't make some, you know, shoot for the moon, you know, resolutions, basic good stuff that you know that you can do, and then kind of chip away at them. Yeah. And chip away at them, nibble away at them, and then by the time you're done nibbling on that cookie, you're done. Right. Well, and the other uh, thing is, is, he says, you don't have to wait till January to have a resolution. It can be any time. And for Jews, as we've said before, you can do it in the fall for Rosh Hashanah. For Rosh Hashanah. You can start Rosh Hashanah, yeah. And then we have Sue Liberman's column, the yes. and she talks about the first time she lived in Israel. And again, we talked about how this is a... a, a She's a new columnist. Right. It's um, her story about going to Israel the first time. So she went on a boat mm -hmm. um, for her gap year after graduating high school. She took this boat, and it was the SS Israel Zim Lines. And actually, when I drive to my Aunt Loretta's house in Champaign, Illinois, when we cross over the Indiana border, there is like a... There's like a place where they have all old train things, and you okay. can see in Hebrew one of the tank, the trucks oh. from Zim is oh. out there. Oh, okay. And um, so anyway, back to this story. It's, it's really interesting. It's very a, it's interesting. It's very well written. Very, it talks yeah. about how she stayed with the family and that they were on a kibbutz and everyone's job that they did and how she had learned all about turkeys by the time she was done. Hmm. And she could speak Hebrew after a year fluently. That's and this, fantastic. This had an amazing effect on her, and she left um, on went back on a boat on the SS Israel. So uh -huh. she will be a uh, monthly columnist. This is the first of uh, the first one, and then I think she's going to be the every fourth week of the month. Uh, Great! So, I look forward to reading that. Then we move on to death notice and obituaries. So. So Larry King did pass away, and yes. we do know that he had contacted COVID, that he had been in the hospital with COVID from mm. one of our past articles, and he was 87, and it talks about the different interviews that he did. He interviewed Louis Farrakhan, give, gave him some time to try and explain himself. He spoke with the Dalai Lama. Um, he had Marlon Jerry, Brando. Jerry Wright and Jerry Seinfeld. All the, all the uh, presidents. 
So he survived by three children, one from a brief marriage in 1961 and two whom he had with his latest wife, Southwick, and um, the two children he had with Atkins, one he adopted from a previous marriage and one he had with her. Both predeceased him last year, if you remember. And uh, if you remember, I met him when he was at the JNF dinner, and I went up to him and and got a picture of him and introduced myself and said hello to him. And uh, I met him. That was that was uh, that was that was very enjoyable. I enjoyed that quite a bit. So, uh, death notices. So, Dr. Charles Abraham Fish, age seventy-eight, January twenty-fourth, twenty twenty-one, eleven Shevet, fifty-seven eighty-one. Marjorie Ryder Knee Malowitz, age ninety-six, January twenty-second, twenty twenty-one, ten Shevat, fifty-seven eighty-one. Louis Sunderland. Louis J. Sunderland, age 82, January 19th, 2021, the 6th of Shabbat, 5781. Uh, Malcolm D. Stern, age 87, January 14, 2021, 1 Shabbat, 5781. May so, their memories be for a yes, blessing. Yes, and now on to the joke of the week. Well, we also want to, I wanted to mention that right now the Marison JCC Film Festival is, is ongoing right now. And uh, so check out that you can watch the um, movie films from your home and um okay so the joke of the week are you ready so um so this is from 101 classic jewish jokes jewish humor from groucho marx to jerry seinfeld by robert mention you're in great shape the doctor says you'll live to be 90 but doctor i'm 92 says the patient new replies the doctor did i lie Ha, 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 ha. All right. So we want to wish everyone a good week. This was great to have all these guests on this week. And uh, next week we'll have a lot of information this week. Right. A lot of information. Okay. So now we're going to take a break. So we want to give a little background. The background is this week, which is the January 28th issue, uh, the last week of January is the Mature Living Senior Life issue that we do twice a year. We do one the last week of January, and then we do one the last week of July. An anthology of Blue Ash who brought – they stopped over, I think. Right, uh, they came this by is one co- day early Stopped on. over a couple, a couple months ago and said hello. And uh, it's a new senior living uh, facility. And, it's in uh, that beautiful Summit Park in, in Blue Ash. Which was, the, which was the Blue Ash Airport. Now it's all being developed now. Right, and there's restaurants there. There's concerts. There's a lot of stuff there. There's that yeah. giant tower that you can climb. Yes, um, yes, yes. So we want to introduce our guests. Go ahead and, and introduce our guests. So we're honored to have Angela Cotterall and Tom Rotz from, from Anthology of Blue Ash. Right. Say hi, everybody. Hello. Hi. Hello, everyone. And we are again doing a Zoom interview. And um, so tell me a little bit, how did you end up selecting that location? What was it that motivated all of you? Well, I think uh, back when this was uh, first uh, transitioned from being the old airport to development, uh, part of the master plan was to have a retirement community here. Uh. And I think that along the way, uh, Anthology was able to get involved. Uh, they do a lot of development around the country, and in the last two years have started a uh, part of their company that focuses on operating the buildings that they build when it comes to senior living. So Anthology's kind of got involved with the development, 
and is really part of, again, this full master plan that they've got here. Uh, Angie and I came along in uh, June of this year, uh, now that there's walls and, and even a roof now, uh, and we'll be really responsible for getting the building uh, not built, we're watching that part, but yeah. operating in hopefully full of lives. When do you predict that to be done? Uh, summer of, well, this summer, 2021. That's great, because then by then everyone should be inoculated. And yes. um, yes. so it's, it looks like it's going to be a beautiful facility. And what are what's in your business plan that sets Anthology apart from the other senior living communities? Well, I think um, the biggest thing is, the, well, there's two big parts of it. One is, uh, locally, is just the design. Um, they really designed this building to be a part of the park, uh, the apartments, the food spaces, just everything that's already here. Mm. So instead of being this kind of standalone retirement community surrounded by a parking lot and maybe a couple busy streets, we're really part of a, a small town where a walkable folks that, you know, oh. residents can walk right out the front door, go to so many restaurants, just really take place to part in the concert, the festivals, the farmer's markets, just all that cool stuff that happens here. Hmm. Uh, actually, so, when I was, and, and I think, I don't mean to interrupt, but when I was reading your descriptions, it almost to me seemed like it's like a cruise ship. You're going to give them a little <laughs> tag that they walk around and, now, are you gonna, is, is it going to be like a university where they can also take that little tag and go to some of those restaurants in the Blue Ash area and use that for their food as well? Or is huh. it they only can eat inside your facilities? Because there's a lot of well, restaurants and ice cream. Yeah, yeah, definitely ice cream. Uh, the, the community itself, the, the food uh, dining options within the building will be included in what they're paying. So it's all inclusive. Like you said, it's a cruise ship. Right. Uh, they would still pay on their own when they went out, but I mean, really steps away. They can walk to maybe like living downtown in a city where you leave your apartment because you don't feel like eating at home tonight and you can walk to a variety of restaurants. Really the same idea from that. Well, so a lot of uh, you know, the concepts in, um, in living today are that you are in like a specific area in a specific neighborhood. And this is kind of that concept. Where they've turned, you know, the the planning for the old uh, uh, airport was a neighborhood, and then you know everything's inclusive on that property. It's a walkable community. It's a walkable place. community. There, it's called a, pla the, the, a planned urban. It's planned urban development. And planned then, urban development. Yeah, okay. Planned, okay. Okay. So, so I understand that you have a charter club, and what does this entail, and how do prospective residents take advantage of this offer? So with our charter club, there's actually two, there's a two-part uh, benefit for people who come in and sign up. And the first part of our benefit is they get to be the first ones to come in and pick out their floor plans. So most people want to know exactly where they're living, what kind of uh, design they have, and, and, you know, because that's very important to people. So if you sign up, um, they get to come in. It's only $1,000. They put that down. Uh, fully refundable if they decide not to move in, but they get to come in, they get to um, come pick out their floor plan, and then after they pick out their floor plan, once they move in, they get an amazing $10,000 benefit. And how that works is for the first four months, they get $1,500 off their rent. Oh, wow. For two months after that, they get an additional $1,000 off. And then they get to pick this awesome gift package, too, that um, equals up to $1,500 as huh. well. 
which includes like moving assistance, gift cards, those sorts of things. And they get to pick what benefits them. So it is an amazing thing. They do out nothing to come sign up for it. So we encourage people to come if they have any interest, sign into it so they can get all that. And if they decide they don't want to move in and it's just not the right um, time or atmosphere for them, they get that $1,000 back. I was no, going to say, say that, you know, well, all that sounds great, but to be in this park and to have a view yeah. of the park, I think, again, going back to that, to be involved early where you can really get the apartment with a balcony looking out wherever you want to see, to me, I think that's, you know, the greatest part of this is being able to be in early and help shape the community. Right, right. And you have a lot of amenities that I've noticed, you know, a lot of mind-body amenities, a lot of of amenities to help keep the, the brain sharp. You have all sorts of plans. You want to tell us some of those amenities that are available through Anthology? Yeah, so we have some, from, from we have independent assisted and memory care, so we have different amenities throughout the community. So some of the amazing um, cool amenities for individuals is we have an indoor pool, we have a putting green, we oh. have a golf simulator, uh, we're going to have a bocce ball court, um, some fire pits, um, some amazing things that people can come and enjoy. And then for memory care, they have their own separate area. So they have their own separate um, courtyard that they get to go and enjoy and be a part of. We have an amazing system called IM2L, which is called It's Never Too Late. Mm. Um, for people who don't know what that is, please look it up. It is a great system, and it's really beneficial for people who are in memory care and also in assisted living. And just um, the whole atmosphere in the community is just going to be outstanding. And then you have the park on top of that. You know? right. It actually, it, to me, again, it looks like a, both a cruise ship and a fancy Marriott hotel that you're going into. It's just, it looks beautiful. And I'm assuming that you're also going to, we are a Jewish newspaper, so I'm assuming because you have done a lot of work with Ted here at the American Israelite that you're going to be anticipating Jewish clients. Will you be offering kosher food and some co- sort of Jewish holiday accommodations? Uh, we definitely will accommodate for uh, Jewish holidays. Um, you know, one of the things that we make sure that we incorporate in with all of our new staff is just an education on some of the, not just the holidays, but the traditions and history of the Jewish culture, right. uh, along with other uh, cultures as well. Uh, so definitely we'll be celebrating those holidays and honoring those holidays. As far as kosher food, we won't be able to prepare those here. We won't have a kosher kitchen, but we'll definitely include some of those foods, um, uh, especially around the holidays where they would be most, uh, you know, typical. Right, uh, but right. we would definitely have, um, you know, there'll definitely be possible soup on the menu every day or uh, every week. So. Okay, that would be a Friday night, or maybe you could even have a separate area, you know, some sort of a small area. where I'm sure you're going to have a chapel in there of some sort, maybe, you know, on Friday nights or something. Yeah. You'll have some creative, one of your creative people will come up with something creative. But as far as also... Absolutely. Um, overnight guests, like when grandchildren come and visit or children that come in from another city, what are your policies on overnight guests and grandchildren and visitors, and what's the policy on that? I've always been curious on senior living what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody handles it different. We're uh, well, I think everybody welcomes guests, and then everybody handles how they do that differently. Actually, let me put it that way. Right. We very much welcome guests to come. Um, uh, you know, we really take a holistic approach to – uh, everything we do, and one of those is, is very inclusive of everyone. So it's not just a relationship with the people that work at the community and the people that live there, but it's their families, their extended families, their friends. Um, so very, very much welcome families to come. Uh, 
We encourage them to stay the night if they're from out of town. We won't have any guest accommodations, but we're really close to some great hotels here in Blue Ash. Uh, but yes, the apartments uh, are large enough that if somebody wanted to stay the night in them, they can. For a couple nights, they can do that. Always welcome, whether they stay the night or not, to um, share in the amenities, uh, come over for dinner. Um, going back to the holidays, we'll, you know, we usually do a really nice Seder each year. So oh. it'll be an opportunity for family to come together and join us for that there. Um, and of course, you know, what's great is you bring grandkids to visit, um, sometimes in these communities and they bounce off the walls board. We're here, just take them across to the playground in the park and you have, you can sit and visit with mom for a while and the kids are entertained. So, yeah, there's a, yeah. Be- there's a beautiful park there with great. And I see the kids can sled, there's even little hills for hills for sledding and there's ice skating there in the, in the winter. Now, you know, senior sex has become a big topic, um, only Julie, only Julie would bring this up. Yeah, well, Ted, you're getting to be that age. You've got to start to think about senior sex. Yeah. Um, so, and particularly, I've noticed that there has been an issue with increase in STTs among the seniors in some of these. Um, in Florida, you read about it a lot. They have, like, just all of a sudden a rampant outbreak of an STD in a certain oh. uh, community. Yeah. Um, so how does anthology going to address this? Do you have education programs? Do you talk about it? You don't have to worry about birth control, but you got yes. to still worry about STDs. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, we do. We'll have education classes, um, you know, depending on the degree of that. Um, if people seek us out, that's that's great. We'll also offer it, um, you know, through many of our uh, courses that we have. We, um, you know, we do a lot of different health topics through the year, and that will be part of, you know, one of those topics I'm sure we'll cover uh, sex and uh, as a senior and, and all that goes with that. So um, it's something that, um, you know, most of our communities incorporate and a lot of, like you said, retirement communities do now. And it is a topic that a lot of people talk about. Huh. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely make sure that education. Who would have thunk there. it? Who yeah. would have thunk it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, That's right. So uh, anything else you want to add and, uh, and we'll, uh, or, yeah, any of your hopes and dreams for the anthology yes, of yes. Blue Ash or any more on some of the amenities that you're offering? We'd love to hear about. But I think that, you know, our, our hope and dream, or at least what we're picturing this community being, is is a part of the larger community. I think this it's just a really unique opportunity to do something that not a lot of people have been able to do. And and I think, you know, you said it, you know, earlier where it's, you know, you're really incorporating all of this like a small town or a, a a small community hub development and to really partner with the, you know, the apartments next door, the single family houses on the other side of us, the park, right. all of the festivals, just everything that's going to happen. So I'm really excited to see how that all plays out. We're also excited to be a new employer in Blue Ash mm. um, and hopefully a community leader and, and uh, really be involved within the community from a give back standpoint too. So, we're just really excited to be a part of this and the greater community at large, not just Blue Ash, but certainly, you know, Blue Ash has been great uh, partner with us on this. And uh, yeah, so, yeah, we're looking forward. To, I think that's if we have to, if I have to look forward, I think that's what, what I'm looking forward to. So they'll, they'll be opening about six months from now, and we should probably, you know, do a follow-up with them in about, you know, three, four months from now and how After they're they doing and when they're opening up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we could even tape there one day and have a live yeah. audience. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, once we're open and things, uh, when everything's open, right? That'd be all. Yeah, have y'all come out and do a little remote with us? Yeah, we bring right. our That's, equipment over. Yeah, it's not that hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Well, it was really nice meeting you. We're really honored that you gave us some time in your busy day yep. to come and tell us a little bit about what we have to look forward to with Anthology of Blue yep, Ash. Yep. And we welcome you at the Israelite. And uh, so I want to thank Angie Cotterall and Tom Rotz for coming on the show today. Thank you very much. Our pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah. All righty. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. So that appears to be a really um, innovative sort of a system. I'm telling you, if you go on the website and you look, it looks like either a fancy cr- cruise ship or a fancy Marriott hotel that you're staying at. It's got a they're having a gourmet chef, and I do worry about the kosher aspect. Um, well, I know maybe they'll, they'll, they'll fi- figure out they'll a way to out. let yeah. people you know bring in a separate chef for kosher once in a right. while, at least during Passover. But only, only Julie would bring up senior sex and STDs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at our at our house, I got to be honest, at our house there was no. Nothing that was sacred at the dinner table. There was discussions about everything. Anything okay. and anything okay. was you, discussed you, you, in our house. With your parents, with your parents. No, I'm talking about my current, pr- current family, my, oh, okay. my three children, and okay. now with the okay. spouses. There is nothing that is not discussed. And uh-huh. currently we have a, a tremendous amount of discussions on all aspects of life okay. in our house. Yeah, all levels okay. of dress have been going on. There's, dress, dress. Yes, dress and undress. Dressing. And dressing and exposure undressing. and nursing and okay. milk ducks. And we got it all discussed at our house. Uh-huh. Well, that's very exciting. I'm glad we <laughs> brought that up today. Yeah, you know, it's just life. It's just a body. I actually, I, um, we had some pictures from the birth. Uh, I didn't realize there was some exposure that I had sent out some pictures with exposure. Uh-huh. But uh, one one son actually explained that I had been exposing my daughter. But you know, <laughs> it was a beautiful picture. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, she's giving birth, so that's that's a wonderful thing, right? Well, we right want to thank everyone who participated in this week. We it's do. been a lot of fun. We had a lot of good times. Well, we were very busy today. This yeah. is a busy day. And for Melissa's going to have a lot of work cutting and pasting, but yes, I know she, she does an amazing job. We're so fortunate yeah. to have her and Carol and Elise and and Lissa. Lissa and uh, Jean and all the rest of the Alyssa, Yossi. Jean is the same. Yossi. <laughs> They're the Listen, same people. No one got my name right for six months. Don't expect me to get anyone okay, else's Okay, Babs. Name. <laughs> okay, Babs. You're getting out of control again, Babs. Well, we want to wish everyone a wonderful week, and we thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you, hearing and talking to you again next week. All righty. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye.